it's, it's, it's time to talk that talk, and we talk it like no one else. This is the stinking truth. Now, here's your host, Mark Schlereth. Hey, welcome into the Stinky Truth Podcast. Mark Schler alongside my host, uh, my co-host, Mike Evans. And uh, we appreciate you guys being with us. Week, uh, what was it, week 11? Week 11 in the books. A lot of great games, a lot of close games. And uh, Mike, uh, I kicked your ass in picks again this week. So I'm building up a huge lead, but we'll talk about that uh, later on. I'm just honored to be sitting next to a guy that clearly is so well known by today's NFL players. (laughs) Oh, you that's not you. Go ahead, tell the you, story. That. So <laughs> So I did uh I did Chicago Detroit this weekend. Um great game, great comeback by Detroit, but Montez Sweat from Chicago who was just traded from Washington uh walks into the meeting room on Saturday evening and uh, and he walks in, everybody hey, introduced and he kind of grabs my shoulder and goes, "Man, you're pretty thick. You're pretty big." He sits down and he goes, uh, did you used to play? <laughs> and I said, yeah, I, I played a little bit. He goes, were you any good? <laughs> and I was like, oh, I was all right. I mean, Folks, at this point, right. Mark is just seething no, inside. No. Actually, it was, actually, I thought it was funny. Um, you know, our, my producer's like, well, he, you know, he started for 12 years and won three Super Bowls. So, yeah, I, I think he was okay. Um but the cool, the, the the funny thing to me was, and it, it's funny. I was, I told Roger Goodell this story because he was at the Detroit game, um, and ended up sitting or just standing around talking to Roger for about twenty minutes or so. And um, I was telling him the story, and and he just laughed out loud. He just thought it was hilarious, and um, he's like, you know, it, it just the the players, a lot of the players of today, not all of them, but a lot of them, like. It's just different the way we grew up, our generation, compared to this generation. We grew up consuming the NFL on television. We grew up consuming, you know, the game all the time. And I think a lot of the players today didn't necessarily consume the game on television like we consumed it. I think their familiarity came with playing and, and you know, and playing video games and doing all that. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I just think it's a different way the game was consumed. So... Um, I, I just was, it was funny, man. It was really funny. Uh, he's like, well, where did you play? And I go, well, I, where you just came from, I played there for six years. My picture's on the wall. Well, you know, I mean, it's right there, uh, you know, and that means it was funny. It was a funny conversation. He goes, I'm going to have to Google you. <laughs> I, was, I was like, all right, Google away, my friend, Google away. But, uh, great guy, great, great guy. And, uh, really good player and a, a lot of fun to talk to. Just a really fun dude to talk to. Well, you kind of buried the lead. So you chopped it up with Roger Goodell. I did. We talked for we talked for a long time. It's funny because every time I see Roger, um, it really comes it, it comes down to and it's really about protecting quarterbacks, right? But it comes down to how can we get better offensive line play, and you know, and what do we need? Like, what do we need to do um, to help protect our quarterbacks more? And you know, it was it was interesting because a lot of the things that I talked to him about are out of his control. 
Like to me, that is the most skilled position in football. And you know, I I I bust your balls about this all the time, but I mean, name one other position or one other sport where a lesser athlete is matched up on a better athlete for the entirety of the contest and the lesser athlete is expected to win 100% of the battles. It doesn't exist in any other realm of foot or any other realm of sport. So I'm a lesser athlete than the guy I'm playing against and I'm supposed to win 65 out of 65 battles. And if I give up one sack, especially toward the end of the game, I'm a piece of shit, and that guy goes to the Pro Bowl. And you know, it was really interesting. I'm doing the Detroit game, and Aiden Hutchinson's a damn good player. I mean, a really good player. And had a good game. I mean, like, he was flying around. He was making plays and tagging, but he really wasn't putting a whole lot of pass rush together. And... Very end of the game, in a critical moment, we had talked about Darnell Wright, the rookie offensive tackle, plays right tackle for the Chicago Bears, has done a pretty good job in pass protection. Now, when you're playing Aiden Hutchinson, you're going to line up a tight end over there. He's going to have to, he's going to have to, you know, navigate two people. You're going to slide protection to, like, you're going to have a plan to take away Aiden because he's the best pass rusher on their team. But there were plenty of one on ones that that. Darnell Wright did a really good job on. And then you know, we had just talked about it in the last play of the game. Whoop, you know, gets around the edge. It's all anybody it. remembers. Yeah. And he gets the game ball at the end of the, you know, yeah. he, gets, he gets the yeah. game ball. Like, what a game, but what a game. And he did. He played, I'm sure he had a bunch of tackles on, you know, as far as the running game was concerned. And he did a really good job. But, um, but that's the way it goes. You know, I mean, he becomes the hero of the game. And uh, Darnell Wright is, you know, the the piece of shit that gave up a sack, and he really played a good game. And I don't mean that, the, you know, but that's just how I always, right. how I always looked at it. Like, like I could have, I could have a dominant football game, and I give up one critical play at the end of the game, and I'm a piece of garbage. I'm a piece of shit. I understand Goodell owes you a new pair of glasses. Well, I had my glasses hanging on my little lanyard when okay. I was there. I was down on the field. I just hung him on there because yeah. I wasn't wearing them. And uh, he came and gave me that big draft day bear oh, hug. First round yeah, bear first hug. Round. Get in here. Right. Get in here, you big guy. And my, my glad they were all, mm, I had a kind of hand bend them back. <laughs> I'm like, this son of a. Yeah. Hey, Roger Goodell, you owe, yeah. you owe Stink some. Uh, yeah, what do you what do new you set of glasses? Take some of that do? forty million you make every year and get him a new pair of glasses. Yeah, how about that? Huh? But um, no, it was great. It was great to talk to him about just kind of, you know, about just the way the league is constructed. And you know, my big, my big, and, and I've said this all the time with our players' association, we lock ourselves out of a hundred million dollar facilities where everything is taken care of for us because why? Because we don't want a coach to come and talk to us. Like, what? I, I don't. They don't understand the mentality. Like I would much rather work out of the facility. I, I I like to live where I played. You know, I guess in today's world, maybe that doesn't exist as much. But I liked being in the facility. I liked working out. I liked having the trainers. I liked having people around. Um, and you know, it's just not part of today's football. So apparently, you would rather you know go spend a hundred thousand dollars getting somebody to work you out like a track star. As opposed to actually working on football stuff, but you know, I digress. Well, your your Detroit game that you saw, 
um, making history. First time since the Kennedy administration yeah. that they're eight and two, and you, you you start to think maybe there's some something magical going on when they're down to Chicago with what did I see with four minutes and fifteen seconds left in the game. Chicago had a ninety eight percent chance of winning that football game. Right. And the Lions come back to win. Yeah, and I loved it. Like, the Lions had three minutes left, or excuse me, four 4.15 left with three timeouts. And there was, it, it was so interesting. That is a situation where many offensive coordinators would completely quit running the football. And they kept enough run in there because they got favorable looks and number counts, popped a couple of big runs, threw the ball underneath as, you know, everybody's trying to give ground. And so they just took what the defense gave them and then got one over the top to Jamison Williams. And um, bam, that's a big score. Then they kick off back down. They stop the Bears um, and get the ball back. And then they just go to work. And in that drive, in that drive especially, because that last drive had, I don't know, a minute and some odd left in it. Um, Maybe, I think maybe just over it was probably right around two minute two minutes and change when they got it but they got to the two minute warning and inside the two minute warning man they're handing the ball off handing the ball off and I just thought from a coordinator standpoint and Ben Johnson is a guy that I got to talk to and I think he's an exceptional like an exceptional football coach and just staying true to kind of what you wanted to accomplish even though I mean Chicago had the ball for 40-plus minutes. Detroit had it for 19 minutes. And yet you stayed true to the kind of game plan that you wanted to execute um, late in the game when the situation for most coordinators would be, we're going to throw it on every single down. And you didn't fall victim to stupidity, which I think a lot of guys fall victim to. You know, they don't understand everybody else's problems. And... I thought he did a great job with that. I thought they really executed the game plan well. And that to, that to me was the big difference is staying balanced, staying true to the game plan that you wanted to execute and going out and getting that done. You ever play a perfect game? Um, Me? No. No. Nobody's ever played a perfect oh, game. Oh, Brock Purdy played a perfect game. He did not play he a perfect game. He played a perfect game. game. He did not Let's play see. a perfect game. Let me see game. if I'm looking here. 29 of, uh, excuse me, he was uh, 21 of 25 for 333 okay. yards, three touchdowns, no picks, and a quarterback rating of 158.3, which is perfect. Which is perfect. Perfect. So you, you, could, perfect throw, football game. you could throw four incompletions and you could still be perfect? Yep. How about the two or three sacks he took? Does that four sacks? Four sacks. A couple of them he just took sacks on. Is that does is he perfect? Are you casting some some shade on the quarterback rating? The quarterback rating is dumb, but <laughs> he did play great. He did play great. San Francisco is legit. They got their mojo back. They've rushed the passer better the last couple of weeks, and um. And offensively, man, between the players they have, the way they create for those players, the way they, you know, the way they operate, the way they design plays to get players wide open, um, it's just absolutely, they're amazing. They really are. They're well-coached. They're tough. 
They play hard. They set plays up. Like there was a little play, Christian McCaffrey out of the backfield, where he just motions. It doesn't even motion. He just goes slide, 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 slide out. And the man-to-man cover guy slides with him a little bit. And then, bam, they snap the ball, and he's through that traffic. And that just subtle movement created movement by the linebacker who was in man-to-man. And that movement ended up putting people in front of him that he had to navigate. And therefore, he's instantly outflanked. And, like, what are you going to do? Like, there's nothing you can – I don't know. Maybe it was – I think it was was, uh, Devin White. And instantly, you're you're two steps behind. And, you know, there goes McCaffrey instantly outflanked, a little quick, uh, just an easy throw about four or five yards in the air. And, uh, you know, that's an automatic touchdown. That that design, the subtle subtle nature of moving that guy, literally, Mike, it's from me to you, Mm -hmm. is how far Christian moved. And that created the space you needed to get a wide-open touchdown, like just a simple, easy touchdown, something that simple. So San Francisco's back on their game, Brock Purdy playing well. Perfect. We go from the perfect. You. perfect. We go from Mr. Irrelevant to somebody who went number two overall in a draft. C.J. Stroud continues to, to put up big numbers. He had three interceptions, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm curious what you, you thought of the comment he made he did throw the three picks, and he he came out afterwards and said, "Look, Steph Curry doesn't stop shooting. Right. I I'm not going to stop. I'm going to keep slinging it around. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You like that comparison? Yeah. yeah. Well, listen, you like the, that from your quarterback? Yeah, absolutely. Love it from my quarterback because that dude that dude's earned it. Keep firing. He is he has earned it, man. There's a couple throws in the middle of the field. Man, his foot energy, his climb in the pocket. The one, the one throw he had to the out, the man-to-man coverage out of a bunch. He threw an out, and um, he didn't. Stay. It was the one where he got a little pressure, and he tried to just arm throw it. And he didn't step into the throw. Left it a little inside. It was really good coverage. I'm not going to take away from the coverage. They got picked off down the sideline. You know that happens. One was a tip ball, where he hit the receiver in the hands, tipped out, and the linebacker caught it behind him right in the red zone. And then the last one was just a throw that needed a little bit more touch to it. Little, I mean, it had to be dri- it had to be driven. You know, the throw had to be driven, but they had to be driven with some layered nature to it, and um, just put it a little too flat. And safety was able to drop back and pick it off. But again, all learning, all learning experiences, and um, and I'm a hundred percent on on board with C.J. Stroud, man. The guy has been absolutely amazing. What is that now? That five picks now on the season, I believe. He had two coming into that game. So five picks on the season. And that's one of those that you would look at and and people would say, well, now are you concerned? Like I did the Detroit game. And Jared Goff threw three picks. And um, people are like, oh, Jared Goff. Like, does this concern you? I did, I did an interview afterwards. You know, we always have to do these hits on um, on Fox and and – you know, are you concerned that, you know, Jared Goff's three? No, I'm not concerned at all with Jared Goff's three picks. One of them was a, you know, one of them was a great defensive play. The other one was off a tip ball and one was off a collision where you're throwing to an area, you know, throw an anticipatory throw into a window. And all of a sudden the guy can't get to the window because he got picked off from another defensive player running to cover somebody. And so you're, you're looking at it like two of those picks don't 
don't mean anything to me. Two of those picks are, hey, man, unfortunate circumstances. Uh, one pick was, you know, was just a a great, to me, more of a great defensive play than anything else. So, yeah, I don't, do I worry about C.J. Stroud? No. And I, I love the fact that he that he's got the confidence to go, screw that, man, I'm going to keep slinging it. See, that, that answer surprises me because we just got done talking last week about Josh Allen, and you were talking about Josh Allen's interceptions all being a result of arm arrogance. Yeah. Well, if you have a quarterback who continues to believe, I'm just going to keep throwing it in there because... Right. Well, there's a difference, though. What's the difference? You're still talking about a certain arrogance that I can make any throw. No, 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 no. And that leads to taking chances. No, no, that's not... Josh Allen has been arm arm arrogance. Like, I'm just going to throw it over here, and and I understand they're in the defense to take this throw away, but I can still fit it in there. That wasn't any of the picks that Jared Goff or or C.J. Stroud threw. That was, you know, one year. Yeah, but you run the risk of that happening eventually, and you get into Mm. making those kind of mistakes because you think, hey, I'm just going to keep – I'm a gunslinger. No. That's what gunslingers do. They uh, take chances. A ball gets tipped at the line of scrimmage and it gets picked off. That's not a gunslinger. That's just a, you know, D lineman that got his hand up. So no, I'm not I'm not worried about either of those guys. And the thing about I mean, Jared Goff has been awesome this year. He's been really good. The thing about CJ Stroud, man, that dude has been great. And every coach will tell you one thing about that kid is when he makes a mistake, he doesn't repeat it. He learns from it and he moves on from it. And so, hey, man, you had, you know, the one tip ball, there's nothing you can do about that pick, right? Those those happen. You know, went right off the receiver's hands. But the other two picks, you can coach those up and say, hey, man, we, we can't have this. And, you know, I have, I have faith in that kid that um, he'll rectify those situations. Jordan Love, maybe coming along a little slower than, than a C.J. Stroud, but the last couple of games, he's averaging about 300 yards passing. Four touchdown passes in the last couple of games. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you got a, a kind of a stable of, of really talented young receivers. They starting to figure it out there. Yeah, you know, in I, Green Bay, I I thought doing one of their games in the preseason and and watching the Packers and and studying the Packers, I thought that this would happen a little sooner. Mm. Um, but yeah, I do feel like they're. I do feel like they're figuring, you know, from Matt LaFleur to Jordan Love to this offense in general, they're kind of finally figuring each other out. Um, And I think that's, I think those are legit things. What do I do well? What do I not like? Um, And I've always said this, you don't really know what you like and what you don't like until you've gone through it and you realize you may go through a red zone play, and you may run the red zone play, let's say, three or four times during the course of the season. You run it, and you i mean, you execute it flawlessly. And then all of a sudden, you call that red zone play, and you love this red zone play, and you get it again in kind of a similar situation. And then the defense that you got on that red zone play three times in a row is not the defense you get. And... You know, you end up throwing a pick or you end up making a bad play, bad read. And those are the things I think that you realize, oh, shoot, if I get this play and we get, you know, cover three as opposed to cover four or vice versa, man, I got it. Here's my here's my coaching point. You know, we get 
we get a single high versus a, a you know a middle field open type of coverage. Here's my coaching point. I can't make that mistake again. Well, you know what? You really don't know that until you've experienced it firsthand. And I always say until you've gotten your ass kicked doing something, you really don't know what you like, what you don't like. What was the uh, – I read this cool quote that in school you're taught a lesson and then given a test. In life you're given a test and then taught a lesson, Right. It's true. And there's a big difference big there. Difference, yeah. In the red zone, you're taught a lesson, and, yeah. or you're you're given uh, you're given a test, and then you're taught a lesson afterwards. Yeah, you think Matt Lafleur has a, a newfound appreciation for Aaron Rodgers mm. after how seeing about, the other side of the tracks about bringing along a young quarterback? How about how about how about every one of you know those those coaches? It's kind of like what we saw in New England for years, guys yep. continuing to get opportunities. Maybe Tom Brady has made a lot of coaches a lot of money over the years because we've seen, you know, maybe it's Luke Getze in Chicago and the jury's still out there, or maybe it's, you know, Nathaniel Hackett with the Broncos and the Jets jury. Um, I think most people will close that. That case <laughs> yeah. has been closed. The verdict has been <laughs> yeah. rendered. And even Matt LaFleur to some degree. So, yeah, it, it's amazing what a difference a quarterback that uh, can basically solve issues for you on the football field, um, how valuable and important those guys are. Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers have made a lot of coaches a lot of money. Sure, yeah. I mean, ne never mind the money they made for themselves, but also the money that they've made for, for other people. Speaking of Aaron Rodgers, he's talking now about a December return to practice with the idea of being back by week 16. Mm. I, I don't know about you, Stink, but with the with the Jets falling further and further out of contention, what's the point? Well, they're four and six right now. So they're still in the proverbial in the hunt in the phase, hunt, yeah. right? Yeah, they're yeah. still in the in the hunt phase. So and in the AFC, I mean, let's face it, um, you know, there it's such a log jam between the Chargers and the Raiders. Now the Broncos are five and five. Cincinnati's five and five, but they don't look like they're going anywhere. Pittsburgh is what six and four, mm -hmm. but but Pittsburgh has been out like they've got a <clears throat> they've got a scoring differ differential, and they've been outgained in every one of their games. Every one of their ten games, their offense has been outperformed, and they're sitting at six and four. Uh, Cleveland quarterback, they just signed Joe Flacco to the practice squad, so you're seven and three, but I get that you have a really good defense and you can run the ball, but how much believability is there? I mean, the Miami Dolphins are sitting at what seven and three, but they can't beat a good team. They can only beat bad teams. And they barely least. got past the Raiders. Yeah. So, like, the AFC to some degree is still wide open. You've got seven games left. If you go six and one, you're ten and seven. If you can find a way to get to six and one, and now. You know, I, I think they finally, the Zach Wilson experiment feels like it's over. So I don't know where they go from here. But if you can find a way with that defense, if you put any, any, did you just tell me that, like, Tommy DeVito has more touchdown passes now than Zach Wilson does on the season? Yes. Dude, like, seriously. What took you so long? I mean, I 
you know, that feels like it that feels like it came from the owner. But anyhow, I digress. Um you sit there and say like you can win a couple of games, you can win a couple of ugly games, get yourself to 6 and 6 and you're telling me you don't have a shot? Of course you have a shot, but you've got to you've got to win to me you got to win two games before Aaron Rodgers seriously thinks about all right, now I'm I'm coming back. Yeah, if he's coming back on a what a, a four and Mm-mm. or a five and no. ten football team. No, you can't. You can't What's come. The point? Yeah, you can't come back then. But say you win. Let's say you you put a three game win streak together right now, and you're sitting at uh, what seven and six. What are the odds of that happening? Well, they're with not, what you're seeing with not, their offense. With their offense, not good, but I mean, I know they can. I know they've got an ability to run the ball some. I know they can play great defense. We've seen them play great defense. It's just that they have had, you know, next to nothing from a quarterback standpoint. So if you can just get a little bit of quarterback play, right? Just a little bit. So this being Thanksgiving week, it's awesome. Can't wait, right? Watch football, hang out with family, eat a lot of turkey. Can I tell you something just real quick? Yeah. When you're not playing on Thanksgiving Day and you're a player, it's freaking awesome. Is it? Well, you first off, you get up at like 5 a.m. And, well, I was always up at 5 a.m. anyhow, but you get up at 5 a.m. Because your meetings start, like your meetings start where, where the normal special teams meetings would start at, normally during the week it start at 7, 7.30 so and then your team meeting would start at like nine. Now you're starting special teams meetings at six a.m. or whatever. Oh, because everyone wants to get out early, right? Okay. So you're starting it. So everybody's rolling in there at, you know, at five thirty. Your six a.m. meetings. Your team meeting starts at seven. You know, you meet till nine a.m. and then you go. All you're on the practice field, right? And you practice from, you know, let's say nine thirty to eleven thirty. Bam! You're done. Everybody's out. You hightail it out. Maybe you watch. Maybe you watch the practice or whatever. Whatever it is, and then you hightail it out. And you know, I mean, it's cold. It's usually cold out, and you just had a great practice, and you're hungry. And then you roll in, and your family's got the poo-poo platter out. You know, you got the olives and the <laughs> the pickles and the pickled onions, and yes, you know yes. all the snacks. Somebody made some. And you haven't had some- to do anything. Nothing. Not a damn hey, thing. I'm the football player. No, I, right. I, had to go, I had to go earn the living. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, you can smell all the food being prepared. And then you just start eating snacks yeah. and stuff. And the games come oh. on. And you're just like, this is the greatest day of my life. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Well, it's also, though, a tough time for coaches because this is we're getting closer to the firing season beginning. Mm. And coaches that are, are on the proverbial hot seat. And I i got to look at Brandon Staley and Ron Rivera as a couple guys that their performances this weekend did not help their causes. No, not at all. And, um, like, you can't have one of the best quarterbacks. I, I told you I had done the Detroit game this weekend and, you know, sitting down with Aaron Glenn, their defense coordinator, and Dan Campbell talking about the Chargers. And both of them raved, like, hey, we won 41-38, but – that quarterback over there, man, that dude had maybe the best game he's played all season against us, and yada, 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 and it's all about the quarterback. You can't have 
quote unquote, the next one, right? The great, and not be able to win games. Like at some point, you got to look at the coach and go, dude, we've got the best quarterback in football. We've got some offensive weaponry. We've got one of the best, well, not the best quarterback in football, but you know what I'm saying. One of the best quarterbacks in football. We've got one of the best wide receivers in football. We've got like, we've got a, a, a touchdown scoring machine in Austin Eckler. We've, like we we put and we can't find a way to win. We got two of the best pass rushers. Although it does look like uh, uh, Joey Bosa both got hurt, but you know they we got great pass rushers. How can we not be winning games? And so yeah, you would have to look at that. And then don't you just feel like the whole even though Ron Rivera made it through the Daniel Snyder firing, Daniel Snyder hired him. It feels like that regime is going to get just. It feels like. We're going to clean house now. We've got new ownership, and we're going to handpick our own guys, which doesn't necessarily bode well at all for Eric Bieniemy, right? He's the OC assistant head coach, or, the, yeah, the assistant head coach. And, like, I have a lot of respect for Eric and, and what he's been able to accomplish. And, you know, I just I, I don't necessarily agree with, the way he operates his offense, but that's okay. We can disagree on that. Um, but I'm, I'm telling you, man, like, doesn't it feel like you're going to be the, you're going to get to be the interim head coach and then we're going to get rid of you too. And like, I just, it just feels like he's kind of in, he's been waiting for this opportunity to be an OC waiting for an opportunity to maybe be a head coach. And it just feels like he may get that interim head coaching, you know, situation and then they're going to clean house anyway regardless because they want all the stench from the Daniel Snyder era out of the building not that he was really I mean he wasn't part of the Daniel Snyder era but you know because Daniel was kind of excommunicated from the but still Ron was and you know in association with Ron I mean what do you what do you do I don't know it does feel that way though tough season tough time yeah there's no question about holiday it. time pink slip time yeah, it does. happens. Yeah, it's it's the kind of crappy time to get fired. It really is. It really is. But you know what? The NFL does not care. They do not care. They do not care. Uh, we do care. Thank you guys for subscribing. Throw us a message. Do whatever it is you do. We appreciate you for everybody involved in the Stinkin' Truth podcast. Um, we appreciate you listening. And uh, stay tuned for also the Leftovers podcast. Uh, the game between Chicago and Detroit that I called this weekend. We'll do that as well. So for everybody involved with the CQ Podcast, man, we appreciate you guys. Uh, stay tuned.